We have officially passed the 500th day of 15 days to slow the spread. And public health officials are marking the occasion by reinstituting mask orders all around the country. And not to be outdone, the White House celebrated this milestone by spread slowing once more and threatening to lock down the entire country again. President Biden says that we are not returning to lockdowns, shutdowns, and school closures, but he also once said that we didn't have to wear masks anymore once we were vaccinated. So why should Americans trust him now? Well, because we listen to the scientists, we listen to the expert. This is a public health situation. This is not about politics at all. This is about saving lives. And this is what the president is all about. He wants to make sure that we are saving lives. If you look at Peter the last six months, that's what he's done every day. And you, and you see that in the numbers. Now we're at a point where we have to double down and make it very, very clear to people that we can't, we can't let the, the pandemic win. We have to continue to fight. So if you're listening to the science, if scientists come to you at some point down the line and say, it is our opinion that there should be shutdowns and there should be school closures, you would do that? Well, we listen to, like I said, we listen to the CDC and the, the expert and the and their guidance. Um, our, you know, our, the, the CDC is a is a body that is very well respected. And uh, we follow, again, we follow their guidance. Why should we trust the president? Well, because he listens to the scientists. Why should we trust them? They've gotten everything wrong too. Meanwhile, the Atlantic magazine calls my pillow owner, Mike Lindell, a threat to democracy. A New York Times reporter labels Trump supporters enemies of the state. And Nancy Pelosi orders Capitol Hill police to arrest the unmasked. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from BO7341, who says, to be fair, I think January 6th, 2021 was the worst day in American history. Joe Biden was confirmed as president on that day. (laughs) You know, good point. I guess I could have a January 6th commission. I could get behind that if the purpose of the commission is to investigate how on earth we got to this point. You know, all of this madness in politics, it gives me a bit of a headache. It does. It does. You know what else gives me a headache? Dehydration, which is why I check out Liquid IV. Liquid IV hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, as much potassium as a banana. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks. There's no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. That's pretty good, right? It's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. The thing that makes it work is cellular transport technology. It's the perfect balance to help you hydrate more quickly and effectively than water alone. A lot of people use this if they play sports, if they're in athletics, if they get dehydrated that way. A lot of people just, if they're walking around in the summer, it's very hot. And for some of those derelicts out there, myself included, if you have a few too many Coca-Colas with the boys, if you, for instance, go to a bachelor party like I did a few weeks ago, seriously, liquid IV will let you survive. (laughs) Grab your liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com. Use code Michael at checkout. 25% off anything you order when you get better hydration today using promo code Michael at liquidiv.com. I don't think anything irritates me more in politics than when politicians say, look, this isn't political. (laughs) When the White House spokesman talking about various mandates and orders from the president of the United States says that those mandates and orders are, are not political because he got the advice for them from 
other politicians who work in public health and public and politics mean the same thing. They're synonyms. It's such a, it's so preposterous. I guess it works. I guess that's why politicians continue to use this rhetorical device, but sophisticated people like you would never do this. Whatever a politician does, whenever a politician does a thing that pertains to the public and policy, it is by definition political. (laughs) By the way, when, when private companies do things that affect the public broadly, that is by definition political. And what Joe Biden is doing is political and it's very dishonest. And it tarnishes whatever credibility he had left because not so long ago, Joe Biden said unequivocally, if you've taken the shot, then you do not need to wear a mask. If you've been fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Let me repeat, if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. But now you do. Now you do. And by the way, Biden and the White House has addressed this. And what they have said is, that was true then. If you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. But it's not true now because the words and the judgment of the president do not matter. All that matters, this is according to them, all that matters is what unelected technocrats in lab coats have to say. And whatever their whims and caprices suggest on any given day, that will be the public policy of the United States. Why do we have a president? I have no idea. I don't, I don't really know. He's not doing anything. If, if truly his public policy just amounts to listen to the scientists, specific scientists and do whatever they say, then we have no need for a president. And I think that is kind of the point of the Biden presidency is he is simply a vessel for the unelected liberal bureaucracy. Biden's going further though. It's not just, yeah, you should probably mask up now. He, he also wants to impel people to get the vaccine. And he knows that he probably can't do that at the federal level. He knows he probably can't pass a law or an executive order that says everyone's got to get the vaccine. So what he's tr- doing instead is using the so-called private companies that aren't really private at all. And he is using them as proxies to coerce people to take the experimental drug. Why not um, push for vaccine mandates in states, private companies, schools? Do you want to see those entities pass vaccine mandates? Well, I, I'd like to see them continue to move in that direction. And that's why I'm, I pointed out. I had asked the Justice Department to determine whether that is they're able to do that legally. And they can. Local communities can do that. Local businesses can do that. It's still a question whether the federal government can mandate the whole country. I don't know that yet. So that's still a question, by the way, according to Joe. I thought it'd be a pretty simple answer that the federal government can't mandate the whole country take an experimental drug. But he says that's an open question. We're working on that. But in the meantime, what we're going to do is use so-called private entities as proxies to force you all to do it anyway. This gets to President Trump's lawsuit against Facebook and the other big tech companies. He's, He's suing them on First Amendment grounds. Now, usually you're only allowed to claim a a First Amendment violation, or it would only carry credibility if you're making that claim against the government, because private companies have no responsibility to protect your First Amendment rights. But what Trump is alleging is that these private companies, so-called private companies, are just an extension of the government. And he makes a good case. And every time Joe Biden opens his mouth, he seems to make a good case. Meanwhile, China 
is spreading disinformation on COVID. So what China's saying, they've sent out a bunch of tweets from their propagandists, and they've said, the U.S. is responsible for the world. Uh, how has the U.S. poisoned the world? By the way, they're, they're like missing, it says, how has U.S. poisoned the world? U.S. is responsible to the world. And like all this, you, you'd think they educate all of their students at American universities. You'd think they'd have a slightly better grasp on the English language, and they don't really. Uh, but this is obviously a, a piece of propaganda to deflect blame from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where the virus escaped, uh, to blame the United States or something. It is worth pointing out that under the lead of Dr. Fauci, the United States actually funded the Wuhan laboratory. So I guess we bear some responsibility in that regard. But sure enough, this is misinformation. Now, when, when I think about COVID misinformation, though, and we're all putting our ire on China, I think, uh, hmm, would we ever spread misinformation? Would the U.S. government ever? Because you just saw the, the Biden clip about the masks, and you remember seeing the Dr. Fauci clip about the masks, and you saw the government denying that it escaped from the Wuhan lab, and then later they said that it did, and then they, so, or that it very likely did. And it seems like the United States has spread a, a bit of misinformation as well. It seems that the bureaucrats and the politicians in charge in this country have spread a fair bit of COVID misinformation as well. As a matter of fact, I think there are three groups right now that are being called misinformers on COVID. There's the Chinese government, there's the U.S. government, and then there are just random conservatives. Those are the three groups. Only one of those groups gets kicked off of Twitter for spreading quote-unquote misinformation. And, And ironically, it's the group that tends to be most correct where the misinformation turns out just to be information. China goes out and says that the United States developed this and released it. Obviously a lie. They get to stay on Twitter. The U.S. government says, don't wear masks. They don't work. Do wear masks. They do work. Didn't escape from the lab. Maybe it did escape from the lab. Vaccines have no side effects. Maybe the vaccine, back and forth and back and forth. They don't get kicked off of Twitter. Conservatives say, huh, kind of looks like that that Wuhan virus, I bet that might have something to do with the lab. Misleading, misinformation. I think there might be some side effects involving like myocarditis and, and uh, periocarditis and uh, uh, nerve system disorders from the vaccine. Misinformation, censored, suspended for 12 hours. That's a pretty strange state of affairs that the people who are most correct are the only group that are going to be s- censored for stating some plain facts. You know, when I, when I think about all the threats that we face today, I am so thankful for Ring. Ring has a special offer right now. Go to ring.com slash Knowles. That is the perfect way to start your Ring experience with Ring's home security system. When anyone stops by or you sense something going on outdoors around the house, you know Ring has every corner of your home covered. This is one of the best benefits of the, of the whole product. You can install it yourself. The process is hassle-free. It's very inexpensive. I love it. To me, it's just, it's just peace of mind, okay? Whether I'm in the home, it's peace of mind. Whether I'm outside the home, it's peace of mind. With Ring, it doesn't matter if you're at the office, if you're in your living room, if you're on a beach on the other side of the world, you can check in. You can know, hey, is that a burglar or is that the delivery guy or is that the pizza guy or is that my mother-in-law? And which one am I most afraid of? I, that's a real, it's a real question that only you can answer. Protect your home anytime from anywhere with Ring Alarm. Go to ring.com slash Knowles for a special offer on a Ring Alarm security kit today. Build the system that's right for your home. Have it up and running in minutes. Ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. That is ring.com slash Knowles. 
The liberal establishment is really ratcheting up the hysteria, is really ratcheting up the sense of crisis, and is really ratcheting up attacks on political dissidents in the United States. And I'm not just talking about a handful of kooky dissidents on the fringe. I'm talking about half the country. New York Times reporter uh, Katie Benner uh, has just labeled Trump supporters, not some Trump supporters writ large, half the country at least, (laughs) enemies of the state. Quote, today's January 6th select committee underscores uh, the America's current the Americas. New York Times people aren't hiring their best anymore. The America's current essential dilemma, national security dilemma. Work to combat legitimate national security threats now entails calling a politician's supporters enemies of the state. Katie Benner, by the way, covers for the Times the Justice Department. As Americans, we believe that state power should not be used to work against a political figure or a political party. But, and there it is, there's that but that's going to negate what she just said. But what happens if a politician seems to threaten the state? If the politician continues to do so out of office and his entire party supports the threat? Well, what happens is you're going to, if you can, disingenuously, but nevertheless, if you can label your political opponents, half the country, enemies of the state, then you can more easily justify weaponizing the full force of the federal government against those people, including the NSA, which has a foreign service mission, and yet was just caught spying on Tucker Carlson, a domestic, very, very popular, I guess you'd call him political dissident because he opposes the liberal regime, but he's very, as mainstream as they get, he's got the highest rated show on cable news. And yet the NSA, which is only supposed to be looking at threats outside of the country, spying on him. The FBI going after Donald Trump's campaign in 2016, a Democratic Party using the FBI as its enforcement arm to spy on the political opponents. That's that's pretty scary. The jailing of political dissonance. I mean, even if you look at the, the way that the January 6th people are being treated compared to BLM, the January 6th people relatively wrought very little damage, didn't kill people. The only person who died in political violence on that day was was one of the Trump supporters, and yet they get the book thrown at them and they're going to rot in prison. Meanwhile, BLM burns down federal courthouses and kills a bunch of people and they get off the hook, broadly get off the hook. That is because the BLM people are considered good, useful foot soldiers for the liberal establishment and the Trump supporters are enemies of the state. And we treat enemies of the state differently than we would treat foot soldiers for the establishment. Speaking of enemies of the state, you know that insufferable cop, Officer Dunn, the one who said he was called all sorts of terrible names on the basis of race. He had no evidence of this whatsoever. Cameras all over the place that day, zillions of hours of video. But no, we never found any evidence of the dubious events he's describing. So Officer Dunn has something to say about enemies of the state. He says that the people at the Capitol, the people who stole Pelosi's lectern, were much, much worse than the BLM rioters who burned the country down. First Amendment protest is what this country is about. The First Amendment, the Constitution, like, that's the democracy of it. But once you start attacking people, attacking things, then that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, that, and you know what? That goes to the riots this summer. They were wrong. If you peacefully protest, then sure. 
But the riots and the, the violence and the damage this summer, this, they were wrong. Mm-hmm. They were wrong. And that's the exact same thing that happened at the Capitol. But their goal was to overthrow democracy, which is a bigger threat to America. Wow, big of you to say that that killing dozens of people and burning down businesses and homes and courthouses, big of you to say that that's wrong. Hey, look, I'm a reasonable guy, okay? I think killing dozens of people is wrong. Oh, thanks. Thanks, man. Okay, I'm glad we can at least agree on that. But that's the exact same thing that happened at the Capitol. No, it's not. No, it's not. They're not even close. Burning down city after city after city, killing person after person after person, burning down police station after police station after federal courthouse, stealing property after property after property, and threatening to do it again with the explicit support of of members of the, the Democrat Congress and Senate and the sitting vice president now. That is not the same as making a mess of Nancy Pelosi's desk. It's not. It's not even close. They are completely incomparable events. And yet, we're, we're now being, t- not only is he saying they're the same, he's actually, he's actually then later saying what happened at the Capitol is worse because they want to overthrow democracy. Burning down a courthouse, that's federal courthouse, that's not overthrowing democracy. Burning down the symbol of the justice system, that's, that's not overthrowing democracy, but jumping up and down with a horn hat on, that is pathetic, pathetic. So what are we going to do about it? We're just going to complain, right? That's what we're going to do. I think <laughs> the only people who are, who are doing their job in, in this entire fiasco. And I hate to toot my own horn, but it's those of us on the communicator side of it. It's those of us in the conservative media. It's those of, and I'm not saying, look, I think it'd be much better if legislators were actually taking action or judges were taking action or people with real hard political power were taking action. But all, all we can do, if, if you have a microphone, all you can do is call attention to this stuff that the mainstream media won't talk about. All you can do is call attention to not only what's happening in the news, but what that, what that relates to from a philosophical perspective, from an historical perspective. You can provide context. You can lay out the plan of what to do. But if you're not sitting in Congress, if you're not sitting in the Senate, if you're not a legislator, if you're not in the bureaucracy, if you're not a judge, then you don't have that hard political power to do something. So do something. Do something, guys. Thankfully, some congressmen are finally do some, doing something very important here. Representatives Jim Jordan and Kathy McMorris Rogers are now introducing legislation. Finally, finally, thank you guys for doing this when I don't know why other Republicans hadn't done this yet. To amend Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. You know, this is the provision of the CDA which uh, would give legal protections, liability protections to big tech companies and allows them to act as publishers, but then claim that they're not publishers and basically just allows them to censor you and political dissidents and, and the president of the United States for that matter, who ironically is a kind of political dissident when the entire political order is run by the liberal establishment. The Communications Decency Act, which ironically was gutted by the Supreme Court And the central provision, the anti-indecency provisions, the whole point of the CDA was to control pornography on the internet in the early days of the internet. And that central provision was gutted by libs on the Supreme Court. And so, but, but this section 230 has remained. And so, uh, this is great stuff. Uh, you know, Section 230 stipulates that, quote, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. This would 
this law or this, you know, this bill that's being proposed by Jordan and Rogers would exempt certain gigantic big tech companies from this sort of protection. It's a good step in the right direction because the entire establishment right now is trying to criminalize conservative thought. Exhibit A, the Atlantic, the Atlantic and Applebaum is well-known political writer. She has a piece out called the My Pillow guy really could destroy democracy. So Mike Lindell, you know, My Pillow, a company that has supported this show and many, many other conservative shows, he could destroy democracy. He's a very nice guy, patriotic guy, very inspiring story. He could apparently destroy democracy. If democracy can be destroyed by a pillow salesman, then democracy was probably not all that sturdy in the first place. <laughs> okay. And, and I, I just want to reiterate here when Ann Applebaum or Nancy Pelosi or Kamala Harris or anybody else refer to our democracy, they are not referring to democracy. None of these people like democracy. All of these people are progressives. The point of progressivism is to make the country less democratic, to take political power away from the people, to upend the constitutional order and give it to bureaucrats. Biden and Biden's spokesman said it clearly. We follow the science. We don't follow the judgment and prudence of the people. We don't follow the constitution in many places. We follow whatever the egghead bureaucrats tell us. They don't like democracy. As Angelo Codevilla says very well, when they refer to our democracy, they are actually referring to their oligarchy. <laughs> okay. So please spare me the crocodile tears over our democracy. When you're trying, you're, you are casting a perfectly patriotic, inspiring American citizen who all he's ever done is sell pillows. You're casting him as an enemy of the people. You know, Mike Lindell has a really nice mustache. It's really, it's very, very impressive. It's one of these sort of, you know, like 80s, 90s cool mustaches. If you want to grow some facial hair, I strongly recommend you check out Beard Supply. The July and August heat is upon us. If you're trying to grow one of those Matt Walsh beards, one of those Jeremy Boring beards. If you want to get that just sprouting out of your, out of your face, you're going to want to keep it tamed. You're going to want to keep it looking fresh. You don't want to look like some absolute maniac, no matter how humid or dry your summer is turning out to be. That's why you need a beard oil from Beard Supply. If you're one of these men that are currently growing or maintaining a beard, chances are you need those products to keep it looking thick and healthy. Don't show up to the neighborhood barbecue without a bit of beard oil to keep your beard in check. Okay, go to beardsupply.com because for a limited time only, you can buy one beard oil product and get another one for free. You go check out our friends over at beardsupply.com. Order yourself two beard oils for the price of one. You can mix and match different scents or stock up on an old classic. Whatever you choose, make sure you choose Beard Supply. Beardsupply.com. Buy one beard oil, get another one for free. Not to be outdone in the hyperbolic rhetoric and overreaction against the unwashed masses. Now they're called the unvaccinated or the unmasked. Nancy Pelosi has ordered the Capitol Hill police to arrest visitors and staff members of committees and United States congressmen who are not wearing masks in the Capitol. 
there are two houses, right? There are two chambers. There's the House of Representatives and the Senate. Both are controlled by the Democrats right now. In the Democrat-controlled Senate, you do not need to wear a mask. There's no mask mandate. You won't be fined. It's cool. So a Democratic senator can just walk around without a mask on. It's fine. Or a Republican senator or anyone else. If you're in the House of Representatives, you'll be fined $500 every time that you do not wear a mask. If you're a member of Congress, and if you're a staff member or a visitor, you will be arrested. I'm glad at least that Pelosi has stopped short of arresting House members. Might look a little bit like an insurrection, wouldn't you say? Might look a little bit like a coup, huh? How ironic. So she stopped short of that for now. But this, of course, has nothing to do with science, and this has nothing to do with stopping the spread of coronavirus. On the very day (laughs) that Nancy Pelosi decided to start enforcing this measure uh, of arresting people, for goodness sakes, if, if they're not wearing masks in the Capitol, Nancy Pelosi was spotted and photographed at a crowded event, not wearing a mask. The event was outside, but it was very crowded. It was very, very crowded. And, and by the way, Pelosi's ordering the, the masks to be worn all over the Capitol grounds. So it's not even that it's only in certain rooms or anything like that. And she violated her own order or her own principle the same day. But it doesn't matter. No one really believes that this matters as in terms of public health. These people just want to impose their will. It's politically advantageous. They took a lot of power from people and they're not going to give it back. As some of us warned last year, when there were some conservatives who went a little squishy, I got to tell you, they went a little squishy on the masks and they said, oh, it's okay. It's a reasonable measure and it'll help us get back to normal. It won't. It won't. It is the symbol of the power that the left took from you. We need to go on offense. Here's a, here's a great new bill that was introduced. It's probably not going to go anywhere, but it's a great new bill. This is what I'm talking about when I say offense. Ronald Reagan had a great line. He said, when you're explaining, you're losing. You, you might have every perfect explanation in the world because you did something or because you said something, but it doesn't matter. If you're the one on defense explaining, then you're losing. We need to put the left on defense. So M- Representative Michael Waltz from Florida has introduced legislation meant to promote financial transparency within the Biden and Harris immediate families because of Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, who is this influence peddling criminal who has traded on his father's name and sold his father's influence to the highest bidder around the world, to Ukraine, to China. He tried to sell it to China. He's made a lot, a lot of money on this, merely selling his name in industries that he has absolutely no expertise in whatsoever. So, Now Hunter Biden is a painter. He calls himself a professional painter. His work is actually not, by the standards of modern art, so I'm damning with faint praise, it's not terrible, but it's not good. It looks, it's like something a third grader could do. So Hunter Biden is now a painter and he's selling his very bad paintings for half a million dollars a pop. Hmm. Do you, do you think that the anonymous buyers of these paintings, do you think they just really have an appreciation for the little doodles that Hunter's doing? Or do you think maybe they're trying to buy influence, which is the the real industry that Hunter Biden's worked in his entire life? So Representative Waltz introduced (laughs) the preventing anonymous income by necessitating transparency of executive relatives act. Or, because you know Washington loves an acronym, the Painter Act. (laughs) 
really great stuff. It's, it's a bit harsh, actually. It says that th- these relatives need to report the source and type of earned income exceeding $1,000 and the source and type of any honoraria received more than $200. And so it's actually pr- the uh, sor- source and type of income from rents and dividends and interest and capital gains over $200. So that's you know, that's a very low threshold for earnings, and but it doesn't matter. The, the law is not going to go through. I just love, I love the name. I love the angle. I love the point of it. I actually wish a similar law would go through. And I like that we're on offense. I like that we're calling attention to, hold on a sec. I don't, why are you still talking about Trump? Look at what the Bidens are doing. Look at their corruption. This is how I feel about the January 6th commission is why are we talking about January 6th when when BLM burned the country down with the encouragement of leftists and Democrats for, for six to eight months. Speaking of going on offense, really, really great stuff from professors Robbie George and John Finnis. These are two conservative scholars, professors. They filed an amicus brief uh, in this Dobbs case. You know, this is the case I've mentioned a few times on the show. It's the one that seeks to overturn Roe v. Wade and to overturn Planned Parenthood v. Casey and to say there's no constitutional right to an abortion, which obviously there isn't. So they filed a brief for the court to give them context, arguing not just that, you know, if, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, that then the question goes back to the states and the states can decide if they want to have abortion or not have abortion, right? That's been the kind of conservative talking point for the last few decades. They're going further. Robbie George and John Finnis are going further and they're saying, actually, the 14th Amendment, when it was ratified, was understood to consider unborn children as persons. And if unborn children are persons, then they have the right not to be killed without due process. So it goes further. It's not just that the abortion question goes back to the states. It goes further to say that abortion is illegal. It's obviously unjust. It's obviously immoral. And it's, it's prohibited by the 14th Amendment. I love this kind of offense. I love this kind of aggression. Really, really good stuff from these professors. Is it going to have an effect on the case? I don't know. I don't think it's going to give us this result in the case, but I think what conservatives need to start doing is arguing past the sale. Don't just ask for what you want. Just don't, don't just demand what you want. Go further. Go way, way, way further so that when you start to reconcile, when you start to compromise, then you can go back to what you really want. Donald Trump was really good at this. The Democrats are really good at this. And, and Republicans need to get much better at this as well. The Authoritarian Moment, not just my campaign in 2028, but Ben's new book is available at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and other major booksellers. So you can go get your copy now. Leave a five-star review to let others know that this book is worth their time. It's a great book to buy right after you buy Speechless, number one national best-selling book. Appreciate all of you who have read it so far. I really like to, so many of you were sending in reviews of, of the book and telling me that you really liked it. So I appreciate that very much. If you've watched backstage and you thought, hey, it'd be cool to be part of that show, then I'm here to tell you now is your chance. When you join the Daily Wire with code BACKSTAGE, you get 25% off your membership and are automatically entered to win a trip to visit the Daily Wire in Nashville. Head on over to dailywire.com slash backstage and use code BACKSTAGE to get 25% off your new membership and be automatically entered to win not one but two tickets to our studios. That's dailywire.com slash backstage. Use code BACKSTAGE to get 25% off your new membership. We'll be right back with the mailbag. Welcome back to my favorite time of the week, the mailbag. First question from Marisa, who says, 
I recently heard that yoga is actually bad and demonic. I have never heard this before and enjoy yoga on the occasion for both exercise and relaxation. In a world with constant stimulation, I find it nice to relax and clear your thoughts as you do in yoga. There is the old saying, an idle mind is the devil's playground, and is that why yoga is bad? Why does something that brings me relaxation, why is it detrimental to my soul? Sincerely, namaste, whatever Knowles says is right, is probably right. Wow, great, great sign-off. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to figure out if I could sugarcoat it or no. It's just, it is bad and it almost certainly is demonic and you shouldn't do it. <laughs> okay. Why? Because yoga is not just stretching. Stretching is fine. Meditating actually is fine. Uh, clearing your thoughts and having stillness. Prayer is certainly fine. Uh, but yoga is not just that. Yoga is a religious ritual. It is, it is a Hindu liturgy. That's where it comes from. And Hinduism has all sorts of different gods that it worships that are not the god of Christianity, <laughs> okay? And it has all sorts of spiritual aspects, and it's got the chanting and the humming and the, the focusing. And it, it falls into a number of theological errors, pretty dangerous ones. Some of, some of, one of them, for instance, would be monism, the idea that everything is just one, right? Every, it's all the universe, man, and we're part of the universe, and we're part of the creation, and God is kind of part. It's all just the same thing, man. You know, we're all just going back into that same thing. That is a very popular idea in New Age. It's popular in non-theistic religions, but it's not Christian. The Christian idea is that, and the Jewish idea, and the Muslim idea, is that there is God, and then God, the creator, makes the creation, and we are part of creation. So we have a close relationship to God, and we are made in the image of God, but we are not all just one man. We There actually are distinct things. It, it also falls into the heresy of Gnosticism, that if you just, you know, if you just sort of think certain things and you know certain truths that that, and, and you just kind of meditate on that, that you'll be able to transcend the world. And that's very important. Um, you know, uh, I understand we're getting into sort of subtle distinctions here, but that is not, not a Christian idea. This, this Gnostic idea that's associated with, uh, with yoga. Same thing with this sort of technical idea of yoga, that if you put your body in certain positions, this is going to unlock certain spiritual fruits. It's a, a, this, this technical aspect is also not, not exactly Christian. Um, but, but even just the, the basic fact that it is a liturgy from another religion that is rather different and contradictory toward your religion is why you shouldn't do it. If you want to stretch and relax, I recommend Pilates and meditation and prayer. From Sarah, hey Michael, I started dating a guy almost a year ago, and things have been going really well. We're extremely compatible. I think we both helped each other improve as people. I love him to death, and I wouldn't trade him for anything. There's only one problem. He's an atheist, and I'm a Christian. I've been able to ignore this problem thus far. As people have started mentioning marriage, he seems to be nowhere near converting, and it's become abundantly clear that I need to address this. Do you think it's acceptable for me to continue with this relationship? If not, how do I approach him about this? Thanks for the help. Sincerely, facing the atheist factor. Trademark. Tough problem that you're in. It depends on your place in life. When sweet little Elisa and I started dating, you know, back in the Carter administration, back when we were like two years old, you know, we, we dated in high school. We've known each other since we were 10 or 11 years old. So back in those days, we had very different political views, very different religious views. I told you I was an atheist for a decade or so. And so we've grown together. You either grow together or you grow apart. And if you're, you know, 16 years old or something and you've got these different views. I wouldn't worry so much about it because you're still educating yourself. You're, you're still changing, you're evolving, you're going to grow together. 
very likely. If you're 30 and you're really looking seriously at marriage right now, and you guys just have these really set views that are, that are not likely to change all that much, then that becomes a real problem in no small part because theoretically your husband will be the head of household, right? And so how do you have a marriage where the husband has this just completely false view of the world and where he, 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 if he assumes a leadership role, is going to lead your family on, on the most important matters, on these spiritual matters, in the wrong direction. And if he doesn't assume a leadership role, that's a problem too. <laughs> so so I, I think it is going to come to a head. It's a, a tough, tough issue for you, but he's got to get it in order. And he, he's, going to, he's going to have to make some hard decisions, I think. Or you're going to give up your faith. But you will grow together or you will grow apart. And if, if he's not going to come see the fullness of truth, then, then you're, you're, in for a bad, you're in for a bad conclusion either way. From Anders. Andas. Andas. Greetings and salutations to he who knows much. I've been watching your show for a little over a year now and have been intrigued by your faith. A lot of religious questions today. There always are. I grew up as a member of a Christian household, but in recent years have fallen away and lost interest in the church, mainly because of the lack of leadership there. That being said, my question is this. In your mind, is there a difference between Protestantism and Catholicism? If so, are the two irreconcilable? I find the tenets of Catholicism attractive, but was raised to think of it as a kind of false doctrine. Sincerely, he who knows little but seeks much. There's a great book on this point for people who, you know, I was not raised Protestant, so I, I didn't have those problems, though I on my way back from atheism, I spent a lot of time reading Protestants and really appreciating. I mean, some Protestants were actually very important in my reversion to the faith. Uh, but ultimately, I did not remain in the Protestant world. I, I reverted to Catholicism. I do think that's the true faith. And, uh, you know, I, obviously, I think there's a distinction. and I've, I've made my choice. There's a good book uh, called Rome Sweet Home which is a book about uh, uh, people who are either fundamentalist, especially, or just Protestant more broadly, uh, and answering some issues about Catholicism. It has been said that, that there are not a hundred people in this country who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions of people who hate what they believe to be the Catholic Church. They just are, you know, have been taught wrong. I mean, you, you'll hear a lot of these things, that Catholics worship Mary and the saints, which is not true, or Catholics believe that you earn your salvation, which is, you know, that you achieve your salvation through your own effort exclusively. That obviously is not true. Uh, that uh, Catholics worship idols. That obviously is not true. And, and these debates go back 2,000 years, and there are many more sophisticated people who have written on them and, and settled them than you or I or many people writing today. So I, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to check out resources like Catholic Answers. Great, great uh, website and, and media company. I would recommend that you check out the Patrick Madrid Show. It's a wonderful podcast and a radio show. A friend of mine, Patrick Madrid. My friend Patrick Coffin, great, great too. He's, he's a little more for the already initiated, you know, but, but still very, very uh, terrific broadcaster. But Patrick Madrid, I think, could, could really help answer some of these questions. And uh, I, I think I, they're ir- irreconcilable until the church comes back together in the end, which I suspect will happen. But beyond the, the issue of the place of Mary and of, of the saints and of the episcopacy and the bishops and the pope and all, be, beyond all that, I think the central issue here is, one, if you believe in the divine institution of a real church by a real guy who's incarnate, then, and you believe that the apostles really did receive certain uh, graces, and you believe that they really did choose their replacements, and you believe that there is a line, and there is history, and there's a continuity to this institution, uh, I think that leads one in the direction of the Catholic Church. And, And also, on a philosophical level, if you believe that there's the physical world and the metaphysical world, 
and they seem very separate, right? This, this world that we're living in and then the supernatural, the outside of physical. And you believe that sometimes they come together most perfectly in the person of Christ, who is fully man, but also fully God. And somehow he's together in this hypostatic union. If you believe that, and you believe that he institutes sacraments, you know, he, he, he says, you have the power to forgive sins. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven. Whose sins you retain are retained. You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He says this to Peter, the first pope. You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the, the gates of hell will not, will not uh, prevail against my church and go feed my sheep and all of these sorts of things. If you believe in the institution of the Eucharist, that there, this, the, the Eucharist really is the body and blood of Christ, then what you're saying at a philosophical level is mankind requires the regular meeting of the physical and the metaphysical. And we know that we do because we are physical beings, but we're also metaphysical beings. And we need that regular communion with, between those two things. Then I think the place you're going to find that is the Catholic Church. Your mileage may vary, of course, but, but that would be one of my arguments. From Ben, hi, Michael. There is a lot of talk about the flaws of America and other Western countries where they criticize and are allowed to complain at a nauseous level. My question is, which country would you least desire to live in if you could also exclude only one? Basically, in 2021, which country would be a bleephole country, <laughs> would win the bleephole country medal at the Olympics? Thanks. Sincerely came for the beer and blue jeans. Stayed for the beer and blue jeans. Hashtag America. I think Afghanistan would be the place I'd least like to live. It is historically one of the most dangerous, poor, tumultuous countries. No one seems able to conquer it. I guess that's something it has going for it, but seems, seems like a tough place to live. And, uh, Pretty strange that the United States has been there for 20 years. It's 20 years now. Isn't that, isn't that wild? Uh, but that's probably where I, I mean, no offense to the Afghani people, but it d- does not seem pleasant. Of course, according to the left, America is no better than Afghanistan. In some ways we're worse. From Archie, Michael, what is your favorite brand of sockless loafers? And where do you stand on tassels? My favorite brand on sock- of sockless loafers, I'm not even being paid to advertise them as Rancourt and Company from Maine. My thoughts on tassels, or they're a little more old school. I'm not quite, I don't have quite enough gray hairs yet. I, I prefer the penny loafer, but I'll wear tassels on occasion. From Jared, dear Michael, my wife is not a citizen yet. We're working on the paperwork though. She informed me recently that one of her relatives is here on a student visa and is planning to let the visa lapse and just stay here illegally. As a Christian and a conservative, I feel very strong loyalty to my family, but I also feel a duty to do something about this, lest I be a hypocrite in discussions of illegal immigration. What can I do to remedy this dissonance? Sincerely, in a Vin Diesel voice, I don't need ice. I got family. That's, that's <laughs> uh, tough, tough predicament you're in, but I actually think there's a pretty straight answer. You should state your views on the matter both to your wife, to your wife's relative, uh, to anyone who is interested in listening. But I don't think you should rat this relative out to the cops. I don't think that would be the right thing to do. I think perhaps you should persuade this relative to leave the country and then if she wants to move here or to do that in a legal way. But I don't think it is your obligation or your duty or or really even your place to uh, call the cops and, and have your relative deported, especially as the immigration law is not being enforced even by law enforcement. I don't think it would go, do anything, frankly. I, you know, we're, we're letting, we've already let a million illegal aliens into the country so far this year. There's no chance, there's no, no evidence that they're going to slow down. So I just think, you know, nobody likes a tattletale. And uh, so what you can do is, is work on a personal level, but I, I don't think that you need to be the, uh, the tattletale and the enforcement arm of ICE. Even ICE is not the enforcement arm of ICE. From Nick, in 1984, the slogan, war is peace, 
lends to the idea that the party can use international war for the purpose of domestic peace. But what would you say that our party, or what would you say that our party is using a domestic culture war to establish peace within the shifting political landscape via sleight of hand from Nick, the happily married one. Good. This is not the Nick who, I like that other Nick too, but he's got, that guy's got problems sometimes. Uh, so to the, to the more stable Nick, I think you're catching on to something. What, what you're asking, if I understood your question correctly, is, is the Republican party just ginning up people's opinions in the culture war without any intention of ever resolving the issues because actually they benefit. So for instance, on pro-life, I suspect that there are many conservatives and Republicans who don't really want to move the needle on abortion. They just, they actually would prefer to keep abortion a live issue because they can fundraise on it and, and it actually helps them politically. Yeah, I think that's true. And I've, I've talked with various people on Capitol Hill who, who have told me as much that there are some squishier Republicans who they actually don't really want anything to happen on abortion. They just, they, they just like fundraising from it. It's too bad, but that's the way it works. And I think uh, probably we've got to do a better job of chasing those people out of office. All right. Final question from Jessica. Conservatives have a very traditional view of women in the world where traditional has become synonymous with sexist and malignant. They have infiltrated the minds of women and men, seemingly placing a higher value on masculine qualities such as monetary success and success outside the home. Shouldn't the right's focus be on redefining success and happiness? Are, or focus on showing the feminine qualities are different rather than less than. Respectfully, no-splaining over mansplaining. You are so right, my dear. You are so right, Jessica. What the right often does is accepts the left's premises and then impotently sort of tries to argue against them. Don't accept the premises. Fight back, push hard, get aggressive, or else we're going to be here not on the 500th day to slow the spread. We're going to be here on the 1,000th day, the 1,500th day, the 2,000th day. I'll see you next time. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, editor-in-chief of Daily Wire. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's episode, President Biden addresses immigration and crime, countries around the world loosen their travel restrictions, and Democrats push for student loan forgiveness. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. 